Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Engine Room, where we meet the people who make up the skiff, a co-working community in central Brighton. Lockdown happens, and I know some people just put their head down and worked on their main products, but I didn't really feel I could do that because it felt like I didn't even know if it was coming back. I'm Caroline Bevan. I turn information into things, and I'm a member at the skiff too. Across this series of interviews, we'll meet freelancers, remote workers, solopreneurs and small team leaders asking the question, what are you working on today? This week, we meet big thinker Tom Parslow, who runs Buzzshot, a company that makes software for escape rooms. This morning, I came in a bit late. Today, I'm finishing off a feature. I've been applying to emails. I just made a slight tweak to the code so I could reply to an email with like, yes, of course you can do that, rather than like, no, actually that doesn't work. (laughs) So let's get into the word feature because your software is, it's escape room software. So tell us a little bit about that and then we'll get into the features and how it kind of grows and how it's grown over time. So the software's called Buzzshot and it's made for people who are running escape rooms and it does kind of handles the before and after game guest experience. So before the game, people usually want a guest to sign in and they, they collect some information some parts of the world they uh, do, a, do a waiver have people sign something and my software handles all that after the game I take a team photo my software handles like putting graphics on it I mean we, we can do we can do some really cool stuff and like make, make the photos look, look all cool put stuff sort of from the game on, onto them and then afterwards it handles kind of contacting the players and uh, giving them a nifty photo, giving them an opportunity to leave a review for the escape room. Nice. Um, that kind of thing. So how long have you been running Buzzshot? How long has it been a, a, an entity? Um, I started it in 2016. Okay. Um, and it was, uh, it was a side project then. I think it sort of became my full-time project maybe a year or two later. Okay. You said it was a side project. What was it a side project to back in 2016? I, I was a uh, freelance developer, so yeah. I was building all kinds of things for different people, mm-hmm. uh, building apps for people, building bits of installations for yeah. people. Yeah, it's a web software. Oh, yeah, lo- lo- lots of things. <laughs> obviously, as a freelance developer, you were kind of doing a lot of problem solving, a lot mm-hmm. of clients coming in saying, we need something that does this, and you would go away and you would create it. Does Buzzshot kind of tickle the same, bringing us back to the idea of features, you're constantly having to kind of talk to clients and see what they're after. Is that sort of how it works? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if, yeah, freelance development I enjoyed because it was um, building lots of different things for people. I was usually doing fairly short projects. Right. Um, someone would have a thing that they needed and, you know, figure out how to build it. And, yeah, and I, and I enjoyed, enjoyed the variety. Mm-hmm. Um, with Buzzshot, obviously, it's been like the same product for the last uh, few years whenever we have a new sign up for the software we always do a um a demo call so um basically just a call where we take people through the software show them how to use it for the first few years i did all of those that's that was always really really useful because that's the point where you hear what gets people excited what they they see and they go oh my god this is going to save me so much time (laughs) What they're less interested in, that yeah. kind of stuff, and, and that's always really driven uh, how how things develop. And also, I guess the points where they go, "Oh, does it do that?" and you go, "No, but it could." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what prompted you to do this software in the first place? Because were you an escape room user? Is that that doesn't seem like the right word? Sounds like it's a drug. Um, were you a participant? I, were you? Did you go to the escape rooms? Yeah, I, I played a few uh, okay. at, at that point. Not not a, not a lot. Oh. Um, my dad's got a job in an escape room. As right. a games master, so he's he's retired. 
he That's is very quite cool. outgoing, likes likes a bit of sort of acting type of things. <laughs> uh, so it was it was a it was a great job for him. Yeah. Uh, so is he uh, one of the people that kind of goes, "Welcome to the escape room. Do the thing. Here's what to do. Don't do this thing." Is he kind of one yeah, of those? Yeah, one of those yeah. Um, and th- this particular escape room was very immersive. So, so, he, so right. you know, he was a he was a character. He was called it was Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> they they had I think they had business cards they handed out to people after the game. Right. And he was asking, "Well, why? You know, there's, you have." There's, there's software that kind of contacts you after you've been to a hairdresser. There's software that's there's all kinds of you know different different things like that. And like why why isn't there something that works here? So I kind of built a built an early version of it, which wasn't very good, but just good enough that you could see that if it wasn't so bad, it it would be good. It would be good. Yeah, no. So <laughs> it, it was it was a seed. It was yeah, a seed it, of a good idea. It, 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 showed, it showed it showed that it showed that the idea was was reasonable. It just needed a decent implementation. Wow. One of the things I had at that first escape room was I, I assumed they'd have Wi-Fi and they did but it was terrible and it didn't work most of the time which actually ended up being uh, really good long term for the company because it meant that the first version of the software was all about working very well when the, we've, when the Wi-Fi goes down that's not important to all my customers now but um Everyone's Wi-Fi goes down sometimes, and some people's mm. Wi-Fi goes down quite a lot, yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's been as a competitive advantage we've sort of had all, all the way through. That the software mm. is is really good with handling that. So I guess also with the nature of some escape rooms, they off they might be in weird places like mm. basements or attics or castles or exactly. you know just weird places that wouldn't aren't necessarily plumbed into amazing internet. Yeah, exactly. It really it really depends. You know, some places are purpose built facilities um and and everything everything is hopefully working fairly well uh these first ones i I built for were uh rooms above pubs right um so yeah very much not uh so have you always been a sort of a problem solver has this always been something that sort of tickled your brain even from a from a young age yeah i like i like i like building things um, I, like, I like making making stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm quite clumsy, so making physical things is always a bit a bit more of a challenge. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely. Once I once I discovered computers, uh, that was uh, that was that was very exciting. So when did you discover computers? When was that moment? Probably when I was around ten or eleven. Ooh, right. um, my my dad bought a home a a Mac SE <laughs> with, right. with hypercard on it. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very exciting. Yeah. Um, the thing I the thing that drew me to it first was that in hypercard you start off with a big white screen and mm-hmm. some painting tools and you can draw stuff. So you can switch to another card and draw some more stuff. That's kind of cool. But you can hit the arrow keys and switch quickly between them. So if you draw things on, on successive cards and hit the arrow keys quickly, you get an animation. Okay, this is really interesting. So how? Because you could have so easily gone down the animation route. So yeah. what took you down the kind of building things and not going down the kind of more visual arts route what, from what, that moment? I, I think my dad probably showed me that um, you could click at the button and it was a text box and you could type, I think it was just like next card, I think it was just a command, something like that. Uh, and I would cut and paste that into, into each successive frame of my animation. And when you went to each one, it would like wait half a second, then go to the next one and you didn't have to press the button anymore. So it was the it was the mechanic of creating the animation as opposed to the animation itself that was yeah. in, that interested. Yeah, I mean, I, I I did really like doing that. I I also at one point did like little um, uh, claymation animations with, with plastic little plasticine animations as well. I was, I was always quite interested in making things move. Yeah, didn't didn't have much ability to draw, so mm-hmm. that that you know uh, that kind of limited that. Because I know because we have a, an art sort of a collage club, an art sketchbook mm-hmm. club here at the Skiff, and you some of your creations. Well, all of your creations are 
the weirdest collaboration. <laughs> One of the joys of, of collage is you can put like a tiger's head on a fish. Mm. Or, but you take it like way beyond just putting two things together, and just you just create such obscure, weird worlds. And I'm fascinated to know how that kind of fits in with how you problem solve and how you build things. Is it just a case of what happens if I smash these two things together? What does it? How does your brain kind of piece all these bits together? Or does it just have fun I, and see what happens? I don't know. I mean, I usually just have a feeling for like what, what I kind of want. And then I just sort of, yeah, try, try pushing things together until, until, until I start getting that. <laughs> <laughs> and you enjoy it. And you can see, I know, especially yeah. when you're doing art, I can see your, your eyes are just like, like, ah, smash these things together. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but didn't you also have, a, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had a, a brief sort of academia spell where you were doing a PhD for a while? I ended up going to university like uh, maybe not, not not that much later like late enough that I was a mature student but like it was only like a couple of years okay. late so I'd I already I already had a job by then I was I was a um I was the, was the sole programmer at a design agency mm-hmm. and sort of decided actually maybe I did want to go to university right. so so I got uh, to the computer science and AI AI course um, wow. which um, I kind of I got to the end of that so I I'd always been like a bit frustrated by the kind of classes and things but I, I enjoyed my final year project I built built a robot kind of control system for it okay I think my supervisor of that recommended me to some, some other people and I ended up getting offered to do a PhD without having to do the, the masters first, wow. which is quite nice because yeah. I kind of didn't want to do more classes and I just wanted to work on something cool. Right. So it sounds like uh, a PhD was perfect because it was just all the time that you need to build something interesting that interests you. Well, I thought so. <laughs> uh-huh. There's a tale here. Uh, yeah. I feel. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert: I didn't actually get the PhD. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I worked on that for a few years yeah. and then realised that I, I just got very, very bogged down in minutia mm-hmm. um, and a lot of very uninteresting stuff it was again it was to do with robotics and I spent oh. a lot of time just sort of making things work right um, in, and I at some point I realised I just wasn't I hadn't learnt anything for a while I hadn't done anything interesting for a while I was mm-hmm. just kind of <laughs> pushing through and that like you're just an engineer by that point but like a terrible engineer <laughs> <laughs> right okay. uh, working on my own and yeah. like my, my supervisors were lovely and and really really nice people mm-hmm. um, really supportive but someone who was running one of the courses asked me to um do a, le- a guest lecture on their course it went really badly i mean there were there were only like four students there and they were just sort of staring blankly but then I was trying trying to make it sound interesting and just realising that I don't think this is interesting either. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Mm. Um, so, uh, so I so I quit. Um, Any regrets about having quit, or was it the oh, best? Oh, absolutely not. No. No, I should have done it earlier. Wow. <laughs> so, going back to the AI part, obviously AI is huge now. Yeah. But you're kind of ahead of the curve a bit there. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was really, really interested in AI. AI. One of the other things, uh, going back to like, why, why I got interested in computers in the first place, was I, I'd read a book called uh, Godely Shabar by D- Douglas Hofstadter. That gave to me when I was about 11. Okay. But it absolutely blew my mind. Right. Uh, so it's, it's this book about consciousness and intelligence. He's trying to connect uh, the music of Bach and the art of Isha and uh, wow. the maths of Godel together. Okay, um, that sounds really interesting. It's, it's, a really, it's a really cool book. Well, I've been interested kind of in AI. From I, I think the first proper program program I wrote was a was a chatbot because I had heard about Eliza and I, and I obviously couldn't get a copy of Eliza yeah, uh, yeah. so I had to write my own. Sussex uh, University was 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 really good for for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and 
was always very into um, neural networks and the uh, and sort of connectionist type of things. Um, and those have really gone out of fashion and we're, we're really, uh, really uncool. We, here at Sussex, we think these things are cool, but I just, I missed the, you know, like a few years later, the, the whole like, AI renaissance, which is all, new, all neural networks, because suddenly people discovered that you can actually train multi-level perceptrons with lots more layers, which I was taught you couldn't do. But I think that probably the initial stuff was happening while I was there, but it hadn't spread to, to where I was. I want to touch on how the pandemic affected what you're doing, because I know that you pivoted and came up with a thing during the pandemic can you tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah so it's obviously like the pandemic was was uh, yeah, a, a big thing for everyone <laughs> uh, it was really really bad for people running escape rooms paying lots and lots of rent uh, they put lots and lots of money into it they had employees uh, and very suddenly like you know lockdown happens and you know most escape rooms over the world within the course of a few, of a few weeks kind of shut down yep. so uh, we don't lock people into contracts in my software because I, I don't like doing that I, I, I like I like I like people to always be using using things out of free will. I like to always know that, that all my customers are there because they want to continue being customers. Yep. So we sort of immediately, pretty quickly sent out an email say, to everyone saying, like, oh, we know you're probably all shutting down. Uh, you can all pause your subscriptions. Very quickly built, built some tooling to, to make that work. But yeah, the, the result of that was um, was lost about 90% of the revenue in about a week. It's a little, a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. That was, at that point, I was full-time on it, so well, there was that was the full, in, full income. Mm-hmm. At that point, I also had uh, an employee as well, yep. so someone who was, also needs to be supported. Yep. I just scaled everything down. I just was just like, got rid of anything we didn't need. Uh, I started taking less less the salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl, who is, is an employee who I was yep. working with, was, was amazing as well and was just, you know, like, well, yeah, we'll make this work. Yep. But um, after I found out I needed something to do, I know some people just just put their head down and worked on their main products during the pandemic, but I didn't really feel I could do that because, like, it felt like I didn't even know if it was coming back. Oh. So I, I was I was interested in um, what my customers were going to be doing because mm-hmm. obviously they were in much worse situations yep. in general. And uh, one of the things I got really interested in was was this idea of what, what later became to be called live avatar games. Right. So, like, what what if you went to your skate room with a camera and people could be a, could play over Zoom, right? Uh, and you could like be their avatar and. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was a really cool idea. I started a Facebook group for people to to, to discuss it. Yeah, yeah I, I made I made a website to to uh, to list them where people c- could find um, the games like livevideoescaperooms.com, dot com. Yep. Although that is largely defunct now, <laughs> I just wanted to get people interested and in, and get people to finding out about these things. Yeah. Um, I'd seen that people were doing these games with the video, but like often you needed some way of like you found an object and they're showing you on the camera, mm-hmm. but you can't you want to see it closer. So a lot of people were trying to do inventory systems. Right. A lot of people were using photo galleries, mm-hmm. like Google galleries, and things like that. Okay. There were all kinds of weird solutions that people <laughs> came up with. But basically, you'd end up with a gallery of photos in another window. You could look through them mm-hmm. and see like, oh, this is the thing. So I, I built a tool for doing that. I called it Telescape. It was just basically a photo gallery, but a photo gallery um, that was uh, live updating. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I wanted was to kind of encourage people to be, when everyone's playing together, uh, but all in different places, make, encourage people to feel closer to yeah. the, because that's, I mean, that's the, 
one thing we really needed at that point. Right. Uh, so I added things like you could see other 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 players' cursors. Nice. So um, you could you, you'd all be talking on Zoom anyway, but you'd be like, look at this thing, and you could see where their cursor was pointing. <laughs> it was a very very simple thing mm. to start with, but I got a little community of people using it and, and paying for it. I, I ended up pricing it quite low because again, it was a bunch of people who were who were in difficult circumstances and uh, this was like the way of uh, of them like surviving this and you're not there to cash um, in at that point you're yeah. there to supporting a community and yeah. trying to keep that community going one really nice thing is people people have since said that that that, that, that was what saved their um mm. saved their business so that's really really nice I, I, I did that and pe people started using it for for more than i expected them to people started trying to build puzzles actually in the system so the system wasn't designed to build puzzles in it the system was designed to show you stuff so you could solve puzzles on on, on the zoom screen <laughs> but i added a way of like having hotspots you could click on so so you could have say have a scene and and you could click on stuff to get a um, closer look at various things. And then people would just start stringing together loads of those and like making a whole puzzle. And I just kind of ran with that. So um, it was it was felt very very collaborative. You know, I'd have someone someone would do something crazy uh, with that and I'd be like, oh, that's really cool. Well, what if I added this? You'd be able to do more. And they'd be like, oh, that's cool. So yeah, I'd add, I'd add more. And so I, I was working a lot at this point. So, so obviously I'm stuck at home and my, my response to that was just to work sort of 12-hour days every day. It ended up burning me out, but... Um, okay. Uh, at the time was like, I, I just yeah, I needed that. I yeah. needed something to, to do. Mm -hmm. It ended up sort of uh, turning into this whole kind of game building software, this kind of drag and drop game development thing. Uh, one of the things I, re I always really enjoy was sort of as I added more and more stuff that I felt was like kind of programming stuff, you know, like you can set sequences of commands and you can set conditions and you can do all kinds of things like that. And seeing people who would never consider themselves programmers uh, and who, who would claim that like, they would net. They are not. They could. They could never do anything that was code. Anything like that. Yeah. Uh, just taking this and then making the most complex things. But you're, you're giving them yeah. the tools to do it, right? They've. Yeah. They've got the ideas and they've got the all the question of what happens if we can we do something like this and yeah. you're giving them the the gateway to do it yeah yeah and just think, seeing people do stuff where i just i can't figure out how you did that yeah. uh, you know yeah, yeah people explaining to me like how they <laughs> did stuff and be like oh wow, that's amazing like you how did you use it. my software yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, or just i'm just i just, just seeing some some people just produce things of just like the quality quality levels that like, really blew my mind really nice graphics really really smooth looking things um that yeah <sighs> it just yeah, really, really cool to see people do that. So, what's the future for Telescope? Do you think? I mean, I know. It, I mean, you, I'm sure you wouldn't have predicted where it where it is now from when you first started it. So, what yeah. do you think? Where it's where is it kind of heading? Do you think? Yeah. So, so now I don't think anyone is using it for live avatar games anymore because basically no one is running live avatar games. No. They, I can think of a couple, and they are very specialist, doing very very cool things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Shout out to Project Avatar uh, in, in, in Ukraine, okay. who uh, have just an incredible thing that they're doing. <laughs> but uh, but what people are doing now is using Telescope as a game builder to make a, like a little web-based game. Amazing. Some people are using it to make games that are multiplayer, so mm -hmm. using, using it as kind of collaborative features. Some people are making single-player games with it. Amazing. Um, and yeah, uh, there's definitely, it's definitely not being used as much as it was during the pandemic at all, but it, it does still get used. People are still building really cool things on it. In it. I have plans for it for the future, uh, but um, I've sort of been focusing on Buzzshot of course. For, for, uh, of course. For, for, for a little while now. So how does that make you feel when you see people take Telescope and kind of run with it and just create this this amazing stuff? That must be, must be an awesome feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is it is really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's companies like, um, there's a company called Hourglass Escapes in Seattle um, who, uh, yeah, just made absolutely incredible things um, with, with, with Telescape. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's just really, really cool. 
and then that, you know, then they've they've got multiple like telescope developers, who, <laughs> very skilled people who who build stuff with that software. That's that's very cool. That's incredible. That's incredible. I wanted to talk to you about you. So you mentioned earlier on you have an employee, Carl, yeah. and that's somebody that you met here at the Skiff. And I yes. want to talk about so how long have you been a Skiff mate, and how does that fit in with you kind of getting your getting your job done? So no, the Skiff has been absolutely essential to to what I've been doing for yeah for the last uh, twelve years. I think I think I think I've been at the Skiff about twelve years. Um, so I, I, that, that was, I, I quit my PhD, uh, I decided I was going to be a freelance developer. So I spent about a month, like, sort of at home, not really, not really with having any work. So I realised that you kind of have to tell people if you're a freelancer, otherwise, um, otherwise maybe they, they, they don't... No one knows. Yeah. So, I, so I kind of just started going to basically every event in Brighton that I could find that seemed interesting. So, yeah, uh, yeah ASYNC.js, uh, The Farm, mm-hmm. Brighton Pie, uh, yeah, a um, bunch of other stuff. And uh, one one of the events was held at the Skiff. Mm-hmm. So I think Async uh, was held at the Skiff. It seemed, it seemed like a really cool place um, at the time. Uh, my girlfriend Emily was working shift work, mm-hmm. uh, so she would often come home sort of mid afternoon after mm-hmm. a twelve hour shift. Oof. And we were living in a in a small one bedroom flat. And she'd come home, and naturally she wants to watch some daytime TV yeah, and course. chill out because <laughs> she is absolutely destroyed after twelve hours of doing very very hard work. Yep. It wasn't there wasn't really the space in that flat to uh, for us to both to be in both to be doing those things at the same time. There wasn't that much uh, in Brighton at that point. There was mm-hmm. the skiff in the works. Yeah. Uh, I did a trial day at the works. Didn't really speak to anyone. Came to the skiff. Um, I spent a day there and chatted with various people. And it just was a much more comfortable place. And I immediately signed up. It's been the place I've gone to to work uh, ever since. It's a community, isn't it? And it's yeah. nice that we, we do a lot of sharing, of sharing of ideas. And, and the skipper's always got the people who I um, who I bounce ideas off of, um, and um, lots of people who I've worked with at various times. You know, a lot of work stuff has come from from the skiff. I've I've worked with people at the skiff. I've uh, had people at the skiff working for me and yeah. things. Uh, it's always been incredibly useful at all all stages. <laughs> Well, um, I've got a couple of questions, quick, quick fire questions to wrap up with. So we're heading into lunchtime. What's for lunch today? Oh, God, I have absolutely no idea. I make, make Emily pack lunches every day and then I come, come in and buy <laughs> sandwiches myself. I really, really should start making myself pack lunches as well, but it's, it's, harder, it's harder for me. Less motivation. And who knows what you were wanted four hours' time or five hours' time. Well, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. And I, I do I go um, out for lunch with people quite a lot. We'll usually go out and bring something back to the skiff. Mm. And that's quite a nice social thing. But, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I might go to the World Patisserie. Mm-hmm. I might go to Sainsbury's for a slightly disappointing sandwich. There's always the pokeball place keto 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 which that's is, a friday treat it's more of a keto. friday thing though yes more of a friday yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay so it's so it's still we're heading into lunch and we still don't know yet this is very exciting what's going to happen who who knows um if you didn't live in brighton where would you live that's really hard to say i've, I've basically been very boringly been in brighton all my life mm-hmm. um and uh, i kind of like it here uh, I, I don't know anywhere else enough to know if i definitely want to live there like bristol seems cool yeah. uh, i enjoy that when i'm there yeah. Um, but Brighton is your place. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. I love Brighton. I, I wouldn't. If I had to answer this question, I'd be like, <laughs> maybe Paris for a week, but then I'd want to come back to Brighton because I'd miss it too much. Yeah. Um, final question: If you could earn the same and have the same security and the same setup doing any job in the world, what would you do? Boringly, it would probably be building software in some way. Um, it'd definitely be building something. I, I, I might. I, 
more kind of stuff with hardware. I've, I've always enjoyed kind of working on like oh, hardware projects. I've mm-hmm. helped out a friend who does sort of uh, kinetic art right. stuff quite quite a bit. And yeah, so so, so maybe maybe some more maybe some more of that stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I think by you know I had all the money in the world, I'd probably quit for uh, for for a month and then be like, oh, I really want to write some code. <laughs> And you can find out more about Tom and Buzzshot at buzzshot.com. If you're interested in working alongside people like Tom and myself, then head to theskiff.org. And don't forget to subscribe to Tales from the Engine Room, and we'll see you next time. Bye.